So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? It's just, just weird with all of this. Enjoy your stay at the city casino. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking club. Hey, scoundrels, and welcome to another episode of Cloud City Casino. Thank you for joining us once again here on the post The Force Awakens period of time. It's so nice to finally say that this movie is out. But I'm Bruce Gibson, and also joining us, as always, is our administrator of the casino, Michael Morris. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, you know, I'm trying to stay as energetic as I can for the show because I'm coming off being sick and I'm hoping I don't cough up a lung during the show. So I apologize <laughs> to anybody who I, I will not, I promise I will not cough into the microphone. And if anything, I've taken some medicine, so I should be good to go. Well, and we're also not live for this one. So we're going well, to change that. So no one will have to know. So I've seen it five times now and I, there's still so much I want to talk about. This is going to depress me. It's all, I'm already <laughs> depressed because mm-hmm. my goal was at the first weekend to see it at least three times. But I was thinking probably four, but mm-hmm. I've only seen it twice. And then, so plans didn't work out. And then all of last week was just, I had to work. I had family commitments. We had Christmas and all this stuff. Then I get sick. Now I'm just coming off of being sick. And I still haven't seen it. Like I, I, I guarantee I will see it in the next few days. I have to, but it's driving mm-hmm. me crazy that you know people like you and everybody seeing it four, five, <laughs> eleven times, and I've still yeah, only Kevin, seen it twice. Kevin yeah, Reitzel, Kevin Wright, who we had on uh, last week, has seen it eleven times thus far. Yes, mm-hmm. as the recording this episode, I'm sure it's up to 15 by the time people hear <laughs> right, this. Right. <laughs> He's probably watching it as we speak right now. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so, Michael, five times. What does that mean? What What are you liking it more and more as you go along, or are you just you just love it so much you want to see it more? Well, I'm not sure if I like it yet, so I have to keep watching it just to see. Uh, that's not the first I've heard someone say that. <laughs> no, it's uh, honestly, you know, it's it's still new for me and still fun, and I still it's one of those things where it still feels like a fun ride every single time that I watch it. And I don't want, I don't want to say, okay, well I've seen it. I'll watch it again later because later I won't get to see it in theaters. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, like, yeah, there's, there's different events and things and, and Hey, we may have uh, a marathon next year or something like that. But just from coming from not knowing when you you get the opportunity to see a Star Wars film, and especially one that I've enjoyed this much, I want to take the opportunity to see it as as much as I can and, and really enjoy the experience. Every time I come, I, I really just thoroughly enjoy it. And every time thus far, even I picked up on some new stuff on this uh, fifth time that I had not picked up on at all. So I'm, okay. I'm still so finding what, stuff. I'm still enjoying it. Um, honestly, my goal is to see it at least um, not limited to, but at least seven times uh, before it leaves theaters. So have you been seeing the different formats? Have you seen IMAX? Have you seen 3d? Yes. Yeah, so I, so I saw the last time I saw it was in the uh, IMAX 3d at Atlantic station, but I don't know that that is technically 
true IMAX, basically. Like, it does have the curved screen. Um, I don't know if it's supposed to be the exact right size or whatever. I, I'm not really sure. I'm not a, an aficionado on that. Um, no, I think you're right. I think at that theater, it's not the full, big, mm-hmm. official IMAX. I think there's two places in Georgia. There's Mall of Georgia and Fernbank. Yes, that that is what I, I've heard. So, um, if that's still the case, then yeah. So, I, I, I want to do that. And also, apparently... Uh, a place that's kind of close to me um, is supposed to be one of the best places for uh, sound quality. So I, I'll go check it out that way as well. Well, let me know when you go, because maybe I'll be available. <laughs> 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 so each time you've gone, you said even this fifth time, you're mm-hmm. discovering new things. What were some of the new things you're discovering as you're watching it? Okay, so the the big one, which I want to go through everything and and really just talk the movie from beginning to end uh, on this one. We'll really go more in depth, Uh, but I will jump to the the big thing that I noticed. And there was actually two. I take that back. There was actually two. Um, This time I noticed when they blow up the Hosnian system and Uh that, that planet that you see that explodes, that main one, you can actually see uh, ships in orbit around that planet. So, because you know that that's supposed to be where the, the fleets are and everything. Um, you know, they say in there that, that, that was, that was the uh, Republic fleet that they're blowing up. You can actually see that Republic fleet in, uh, sort of in the, the, not in the atmosphere, but, but basically in orbit around that planet exploding. And one of them to me even kind of looked like a death star, uh, but it happened so fast. I'll have to watch again and see if that is the case. So wait, you, something, one of the ships looked like a death star. No, or? I'm sorry. A star destroyer. Not a, oh, not okay. A, yeah. Yeah. So, so one of them looks almost like, um, triangular, uh, like, like a star destroyer that, that is sort of in orbit. But, uh, yeah, a lot of, have, have you, do you recall seeing those, the, the ships that are in space no. as they're blowing up? I mean, if I saw them, I, I don't, I don't recall seeing them, right. but that's interesting because I'll definitely look for that next mm-hmm. time. I wonder if it's, like you said, their fleet, if it's maybe ships that were evacuating the planet. But I don't know if no, they had they enough time. Because they, yeah, they, they weren't aware, um, especially to what we've heard backstory and um, uh, in the novelization and everything, that basically they did not see the, um, the First Order as a viable threat. And so uh, apparently, and none of this is important. The film, this has been one of the biggest complaints I've heard about the film, and it's just not correct. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, we need, you know, we need more information on that. It's, it's unclear. And I actually counted it up and I counted three times that they clearly stated what that was about when they blow up the Hosnian system. Um, and then, in fact, when I was telling uh, Christine and a couple of friends about it that, that I watched it with that night, Christine even brought up a fourth time, which I can't remember now. But um, everyone complains that, oh, I don't know what's going on. They, you know, they don't really tell you. They just blow it up uh, and, and you don't know what it is. They actually have Hux come up to um, which it, it, I think the I think the thing was is you're, you're paying attention to what's going on with Ray and Kylo. And while Kylo's having that conversation with Snoke. Hux comes up and basically says, Hey, here's the deal. Um, you know, we need to go blow up the new <coughs> Republic. And then Snoke's like, yeah, go do that. And then he runs off. And then, 
Snoke and Kylo Hat continue their conversation. So it's just sort of like an aside. But then you get that speech where Hux is, is talking about them. And he, he tells you all the pol- all the political things that you need to know about the film happens in that speech, which is that he basically says the New Republic has been lying and claiming that they haven't been uh, supporting the resistance, even though they have basically, they now have a fleet, um, and you know, in the, the Hosnian system and we're going to bring an end to it once and for all. And then they do, that's all you need to know. However, a little bit more information on it, but not necessary for the film. Um, is that, uh, basically Leia was supposed to be there, but she's essentially now a, um, sort of a pariah, because of, you know, just some of the different, um, the politics and things like that and corruption and all in the new Republic, she's basically a pariah and she's now sent this other diplomat who's the woman you see on the balcony, uh, to sort of go and plead. But while she's in the process of doing so, that's when they blow it up. And you pick that up in the film or did you pick that up in, uh, ancillary materials? The last little bit I picked up from the, from, from hearing about it from other people saying that it was in the, uh, in fact, actually, you know what I did read, I'm pretty sure I read it in the visual guide as well. I'll have to double check that. Um, but it's apparently in the force awakens novelization as well, but everything else is in the film. Uh, most of it is in Hux's speech, but also he does, uh, relay his plan to, uh, general Snoke. So it's all there. It's just, it's one of those things, you know, Star Wars has just always been one of those films where you watch it and then you pick up more, you know, as a kid. I'm glad you said that though, because Mm -hmm. I mean, as much as I, I saw a new hope, Mm -hmm. uh, when it first came out and then all the years after, I mean, it wasn't till, you know, several viewings over and over again that I started picking up more things like, uh, the, um, the Imperial Senate being dissolved. Yes. For some uh, reason, it never stuck with me for, it, it took years before that actually was like, Oh, I, why didn't ever really pick up on that? Because before? it was, it was so background, you know, like I, yeah. I said last week, Star Wars is a, a personal story that takes place. The actual wars part is sort of the backdrop. Um, it's, it's more of this personal story that you have with this, the, uh, this more coming of age, the the hero's journey, that, that that's the more foreground story. And you don't, I mean, you don't ever think about it. Yeah, it's there. And then you can kind of start to piece some other things together and everything, but it's not super important. It, it doesn't, all it does is, is kind of add a, a couple of shades to the, to the bad guy. You know what I mean? The resistance is, is not is part of the new republic but it's not supported is that what i'm understanding what i've read because i've read some of the visual dictionary and i'm starting Mm. through the the novelization i i think it's supported but it's it's a faction that has separated itself from the fleet because the new republic doesn't necessarily believe in the first order being a threat Right. They don't want to really, they don't really want to get into the fight, which is like, like I said, that's, you can pretty much pick up on at least that they are not in the fight as much as they may be secretly funding, uh, the resistance. Is that clear in the film? Or because seeing multiple times knowing that fact, is that mentioned in the film? Or is it, again, that's something you have to read outside that, that they are funding them or no, that they're funding them and that they, 
they don't see the the new republic doesn't see the first orders as a fight they want to get into or, or believe that they're a threat and that's why the resistance started so no it's not necessarily clear in that aspect however it does it is apparent that there is a separation between the resistance and the uh, new republic and that the new republic has a, an actual fleet whereas the resistance is small and that okay. it's it's sort of left in question and it, and it doesn't really have to be answered for the film it really doesn't matter one way or another whether the the new republic was um was funding them or was um against them or whatever the point was that because I mean, they, they were destroyed. So what does it matter now? If they were going to get help, they're not getting help now. You know what I mean? Right. For story purposes, you're right. We don't need all this detail behind mm -hmm. every little thing that's going on. We just need to know that main story right. and things are the way they are for mm -hmm. whatever reason. But that's, what's so great about a franchise like star Wars is the fact that if you want to know more information, I know people are going to argue, I shouldn't have to go and read a book to find this out. I don't have to go. Right, which is what I'm saying. You don't have to. You don't right, have, you don't to have, have to have the book to But to if get you're interested film. enough, you, you might right. want to. Exactly. That's what makes it fun. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I don't um, want, if, if all the answers were out there mm -hmm. in this film and we walked away with no questions, except for maybe the cliffhanger going into a next movie, this wouldn't be as much fun. Mm -hmm. I love digging and discovering new things and having these discussions. Mm -hmm. This is so perfect. This right. is what Star Wars needs to be about. It happened from the first movie. When that came out, people were discussing who is Darth Vader? Is he even a person or is he a robot? What's in the suit? Who is, why is Luke living with his aunt and uncle? I mean, there were questions back then. This right. is what makes it so good. Mm -hmm. They hit it out of the ballpark on this. That's exactly the right direction of Star Wars is to create questions and give so much depth to the story and the movie to the, to the fact that that's what enriches the universe because mm -hmm. it's not complete. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another thing too, I think a lot of people sort of need to think is that you don't get everything up front. You know, I, I, you and I have had this conversation. I don't remember if we discussed this on the last episode or not, but I had to change my thinking because I, I fell into this trap as well. I treated this film like the end instead of the beginning going into it. I said, I have all these questions I want to know. I don't want to know the answers right now, but when I go see the movie, I want to know the, I want to know the answers and I expected all these answers and I had also got my head around the fact that, well, what is this and this? There's gotta be this big convoluted, um, answer to it. Right. And it's just gonna, it's all going to come together and, and it's just gonna be like, oh my gosh, that's just so mind blowing. But that's never been what Star Wars was. You know, Star Wars was never one of those things where you're trying to figure out, you know, oh, who, who was the guy who committed the murder? And you have to think back here. Like, that's not the mindset that you got to go through. And that's not how it's any of the answers that we got. They weren't that way. And none of the answers that we're going to get are going to be that way. I don't believe I could be wrong. I don't think I am. Um, but so I had to kind of get used to that and remember correctly how that was supposed to go. And then once I saw the film that second time, I was like, okay, 
this is a really good Star Wars film. The first time, you know, I'd kind of mentioned a few things to you and uh, a couple other friends quietly about, I'm like, I don't know, you know, it's just a little strange. I'm kind of trying to put my, you know, wrap my head around it, but it seems like a lot of people love it. And that is at least important to me. Um, But now I can say, yeah, I absolutely love it too. It's, uh, (laughs) this is going to sound really stupid, but Mm -hmm. it's like shoes. Mm -hmm. You have, let's say you have six pairs of shoes that you wear all the time and they're very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you buy a new pair and you try them on and they're the exact size, the same brand as the shoes, but they just, they, they just, I don't know. They just don't feel the same as the others yet because you haven't broken them in and gotten used to them to know if you really like them. That's almost how I feel about this movie. We're so familiar with the other six movies that the first time seeing it, it was just so much to take in and figure out to, to, I mean, I knew I liked it, but, how much do I like it or how are there parts that don't fit well with me? I I don't know. And that's why I had to see it again. So the second time I saw it going in, know what I'm knowing what I'm going to get, having felt through it already once before I was able to really take it in and get a feeling of liking this movie and knowing that, yes, these shoes are going to feel comfortable and they fit just as great as the others. How many pairs of shoes do you own? So I've got anyhow moving on. Yeah. So it's, that was the case. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving it now. I, I'm sorry for the few people. Cause let's be honest. It's only a few people out there who don't care for it. I know a lot of people are saying that they're seeing articles and things like that. And what you have to understand is those articles are called clickbait. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. That is those articles exist solely for the purpose of ad revenue. That's all it is. It's it's the film where it's gotten so much praise that to stand out, you have to write. And, and they're always really, really lame articles that most of the problems they have are actually explained. They're like, well, they don't explain this. Yes, they do. You weren't paying attention. Um that that is what it is and they don't really care they don't it doesn't matter to them this is like those articles why star something like why star wars is the worst movie of 2015 and you're like what right and you have to click on it and and they didn't you know and the thing is you go there and and you hate them or whatever they don't care it does not hurt their feelings because the reality is they probably don't even feel that way that the person who wrote that article probably said that was a that was a fun movie all right i gotta go make money now so here we go this is what i'm doing and the problem is what and i'm saying you i don't mean specifically you but you're out there the people who are doing it i see it where you go i can't believe this guy hey everybody check this article out so now you've clicked on it you shared it with your friends and they clicked on it and then you're all complaining about how stupid this guy or this writer was and how much or how wrong he is but all the time you're sitting there funding him don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't do that. Don't, don't worry about this. Yes. There's, there's a few people out there who didn't like this film. That's just always going to be the case. I cannot think of a single film that, that is just universally beloved by everyone. You're going to get films like this that have a lot of high praise, but then you have to have those people who, um, whether genuinely or just to be, uh, arbitrary. They just want to to bash it. So 
it's going to be what it's going to be. Don't worry about it. Don't share their stupid articles and stuff like that. Enjoy it. It is a fun, good film. So, well, and you might be surprised about this too, Michael, but there's probably some people out there that don't even like our podcast. I mean, you're just going to have those people that don't like everything. I know it's surprising. You think everybody likes Cloud City Casino. That is true. But I think there's one person that maybe doesn't. Oh, really? Is there, is there something we need to, you need to tell no, about I'm, off show? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. Okay, I was like, oh, I don't know of any, anybody. So, but I, I'm just trying <laughs> to bring that sense of humor out of me when I'm sick. Like, it doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. I, th- I, was, I, still, I thought everybody liked our show. We're, th- we're the destination for Star Wars fandom. We are the destination. <laughs> Maz Kanata is a travel agent that sends people to the casino for their fandom convention. Right. She's like, see those two over there? You go listen to them talk and you will be entertained <laughs> in listening about Star Wars. It is time for you to go. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> so, all right, man. So let's, let's start talking about this thing from the beginning. A long time ago. Okay, not quite galaxy. that far. All right. Okay. Lucasfilm. Oh. <laughs> so we, wow. well, no, well, let's talk about that real let's quick. Let's talk about that crawl. Is that what no, you want to no, talk about? No, 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 no. Right before that. Oh, okay. I actually do want to go for the uh, beginning of this film. Uh, we didn't have fanfare, which we mm. knew because it's not a 20th Century right. Fox picture, but there was nothing. It was just the Lucasfilm logo with no sound. Mm-hmm. And we went to a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, no sound. Did that, was that a bit jarring because we're not used to that or did that work? Because for me, I, I kind of liked it. As a matter of fact, I probably would have liked it even though the Lucasfilm logo just had a little bit of some kind of atmosphere sound. I in agree the with you completely. I, I was thinking the same thing. It just sort of creeps up on you and you're like, oh, I guess we're doing this because you're just like, all right. Mm, stupid trailer another stupid trailer jumping right into it, it just sort of it's quietly it's there and then you've got more si- there's just a too much silence it needs a little bit more of a breakup i think and i think that's what the uh that 20th century fox fanfare did well then we see a long time time long time time ago a long time ago and then we <laughs> see did- they changed that too <laughs> yeah it was really strange that they added that second time in there i thought it was a typo no but then we jumped a long time to- time ago <laughs> then we jumped to that crawl what did you think of the crawl? I like the crawl mm-hmm. because I like the first line. What was that? Luke Skywalker has vanished. Something or along it those lines. Yeah. So the only time there was a crawl in a Star Wars movie that was kind of jarring for me, and not in a bad way, but when Revenge of the Sith started and it said war. Right. It was just that single word, which was really weird because it's never started a crawl like with a single word like that before. And I just was like, oh, that's pretty cool war. I like this one because, yeah, it was jarring because I didn't expect the first two words to say Luke Skywalker. I expected it to be something uh, now that the the empire has been destroyed now that the death second death after was something around the lines of mm-hmm. after the second death star was destroyed and the empire went to rubbles uh, first, you know, I thought it was going to set up more of the universe of where we are at this point as, in, as opposed to Luke Skywalker has vanished. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like thrown out there. Like you, you're coming off return of the Jedi and then you're coming into this movie. Luke, has vanished. It's like, whoa, why, what? Like, what, what, what is going on here? And I, I like the fact that it just like grabbed my attention as whoa. Cause as a matter of fact, the second time I went to see it, 
uh, there was a guy sitting uh, on the other side of my wife in the theater. And this is the first time my wife was seeing the movie. And obviously this guy sitting next to her, it was his first time too. And it was his first time flirting with my wife too. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, he's sitting there. And as soon as the crawl came up, I heard him whisper, Luke Skywalker has vanished. And he leaned forward like, oh my gosh. And just that reaction <laughs> from him was like, what? Right. <laughs> you know? And I think it really worked. Um, mm-hmm. But I liked it. What about you? Um, I don't know. It just, to me, I will say, and, and like I said, I still love the film, but the it almost seemed a little more personal. I, I have to actually look at it and read it more. Whereas I felt like that in the past, it's been more of a... Um, an outline, but it may just be that it's, it's different. And, and I'm just, I, or I mean that it is much similar or it is very similar to what we've gotten before. And I'm just not used to it yet. Well, you so. may be right. Cause it's like I said, where I, what was I, what I was expecting it to say was more about the state of the galaxy mm-hmm. where like you're saying, this is more personal. It's like Luke has vanished. Right. And so we have this first order that has risen. And so Leia has sent out somebody that she's known for a while that she can trust to go on a secret mission and find Luke. It's not as this, you know, here's the state of the galaxy as much as Luke is missing. So Leia's looking for him. Yeah. That whole first paragraph looks like it's more about Luke. Who's not in the film to the very end of it. It's just kind of strange to me. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, it's like I said, it's fine. It's, it's not, don't take that as me complaining or saying it needed to be changed or whatever. I just thought it was kind of odd and, and especially how we get m- most of the stuff for these new characters for a bit. So anyhow, so, so that goes through. And well, let me we, just say real quick, because mm-hmm. now I do remember one of my first impressions when I saw his name come up is as a kid, when the original mm-hmm. trilogy came out, I remember thinking that Star Wars was as the novelization first called it, you know, the adventures of Luke Skywalker. Right. And that's how I used to think of star Wars. But now that we got the prequels and we've got the clone wars and rebels and all these other things, I don't think star Wars is being about Luke Skywalker. He's just one of the main characters that we, we see at certain points in, in the saga. When this came up, it made it feel like, yeah, star Wars is about Luke Skywalker again. And I'm just wondering if that will be the theme in the next two movies where this trilogy really is about Luke Skywalker and we're just focusing. I know we're going to bring no. in Ray and all these others over time, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just but saying no. this, if he'll take a more central role than mm-hmm. what I originally thought he might. Mm, yeah. No, this this trilogy is more about, uh, I would say, definitely Ray, and then uh, possibly even Kylo. We, we can get into that a, a bit more, but for sure, I think it's Ray. I think I think Luke is he'll he'll be in the, in the films, but he is going to be a uh, a side character. He, you know, he's going to be supporting he's not this is this is ray's trilogy so so the in episode eight the crawl's gonna start off with ray has vanished and finn wakes up and goes looking for her it's because they knew where she went i don't think that's gonna be the problem not to finn not to finn finn's been passed out he's gonna wake up and go he's not gonna be alone it's not like the walking dead where he he wakes up and no no one's gonna tell him resistance base is zombies they're not gonna tell him where she went okay he's gonna gonna get pissed they're gonna be jerks like that so anyhow hey let's move on man we got a lot of movie to cover so um the first thing that we see which is 
pretty typical Star Wars, but I, I like that they did it from a different angle. Um, you know, that, that, that was one thing about this film that I thought was really cool. Some people seem to whine about it while others seem to see, see it for what it was, but it's really cool that we saw that star destroyer pass over. But what was so cool about it was that it passes over as a dark shadow, which I think is awesome because you were basically looking, uh, from Jakku up and it is, it is basically hovering over like, like a dark shadow. And then you see those troop transports fly out. I thought that was really cool. I mean, yeah, we've seen star destroyers sort of come over you before and things like that, but I, I I liked this more. I, like I said, I, to me, the fact that it was more shadowy, I think that uh, I think that was some really good imagery and and good visual storytelling. It kept with that typical ship at the beginning of the films, mm-hmm. and I'm glad it wasn't the rumored lightsaber because I thought I didn't know how that was going to look, and I liked seeing the little ships come out of it and mm-hmm. head what down did, to Jakku. What did you think of those things? Um. They look like little beetles at first. <laughs> little beetles. <laughs> yeah. It, to me, they look kind of like boats or something. Um, I, I thought they were kind of strange. It's I'm I'm getting used to them. They're okay. I think that they're they're fine for what they are. But initially, I was just like, that looks kind of strange. I don't know. Um, we clear- we do need different looking ships though in this movie. I will say that. Well, but we got them. I mean, we got that. Those were some we got of the- some. But yeah. we, I just feel like we need more as this trilogy goes. And, uh, that's and, and just. Personal preference. I think we will. I mean, we got when you look at it, you you got those ships that are new. We got Leia's um, sort of shuttle uh, or troop transport that's sort of new. We have um, beautiful. Not you don't like it. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just not like anything fabulous. Where like, oh, I've got to have that and display it on my shelf. I think it's kind of <laughs> cool. I like it. Uh, it okay. Ha- it has sort of like a B wing look to it. Which I right. think is kind of cool because you, when you think back, you're like, okay, so that looks as though maybe it was desi- maybe Quarry designed that as well. <laughs> you know, since we know Quarry is the one who designed the B wing from Rebels now. But um, you know, it to me it looks like okay, hey, this is from the same you know the same people that brought you the B wing. Here is the uh, the Resistance shuttle or mm-hmm. the resist- Resistance troop transport. I thought it was kind of cool, and and I like that it has the asymmetrical look. So it's, it's very Star Wars. Um, I mean, I, I, besides looking at that next to the uh, First Order troop transport, I think it looks more Star Wars than the First Order one. Uh, yeah, I, I'll give you that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't thought about it, but yeah, I would say it definitely looks more Star Wars. But, you know, I mean, that's fine. Like I said, it's it's to me, it's not. Here's the thing. It's not meant to overtake the film. You know? right. Like it's not uh, people cannot expect like, oh, this one is supposed to be, you know, this great new ship because you know what? They can't do a whole lot of great new ships because they're bringing the Falcon back. That should be the big ship that you're excited about seeing. I, I thought all the ships were adequate. I, d- I didn't really have any issues with any of them. Uh, that one was probably the one that I was a little more like, yeah, it's kind of strange, but I, I've, uh, I kind of, um, I'm acclimated to it more now and, and I'm fine with it. So we see that. Then we have, we'll see, we cut to Max von Sido. I think it's, yeah, Max von Sydow, I think. Yeah, yeah he, and he is speaking to Poe Dameron, and his actual name is like, oh, see, now I had it, now I forgot it, Lors Santeca, is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, you come up with something great for that last time, and you've done some research on that since. 
Oh, you're talking about the one thing that you think I did great? Well, I mean, every now and again, somebody gets something right. <laughs> no, the way this character is, is presented mm-hmm. is, is almost as if we should know who he is. Yeah, um, I agree. And so that's a little odd because I remember watching it the first time and thinking like, wait, who, who's, wait, who is this? We, we know this guy. No, we mm-hmm. never knew this guy. And then it made me think that, well, maybe we'll see this guy in the past at some point thinking, well, the next movie is Rogue One. And he does mention that, you know, he thinks of Leia still as, you know, a princess. Well, Princess Leia would have been around during the time mm-hmm. of Rogue One because they're stealing the planes of the Death Star that go to Princess Leia. So it would make sense that maybe they cast somebody who's 35 years younger than Max von Sydow to play in Rogue One, and he is this character that's in Rogue One in some capacity, and therefore, yeah, that makes sense that he would know who Leia is, and maybe that makes sense why we would see him in The Force Awakens with the map. Now, is there a character who fits that description in Rogue One? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> there is a gentleman that uh, he's 50 years old. And mm-hmm. so Max von Sydow is currently 86. So there's a 36-year difference between the two. And this actor is, well, what's his name? Mads Mikkelsen. Mm-hmm. And he is, like I said, 50. And he's cast in Rogue One. We don't know what his character is so i and look at a picture of him Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he could to me he could pass to play max van cito's character yeah uh, younger i'm kind of familiar with this guy and i don't know it was he was this character in the initial group photo that we have for rogue one i I looked at that photo i was looking at my, my phone so it was small today but when i looked at it i don't think he's in that photo he's best this actor is known more recently for the the tv series hannibal if anybody's watching he's the star of that show now i want to say what i know him from and i could be wrong is from bond i'm pretty sure he was the bad guy in bond Yes, uh, Casino, Casino Royale. Royale. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was in that also. So that's my only concern is, is this guy going to actually be playing a villain instead? Uh, what does he play in Hannibal? Is he a, a villain in that or is he? Well, he's Hannibal. So, you know, he's a cannibal. I just didn't, I just didn't know if this guy, it's just because to me, he does have that really grim look to him. I didn't, I didn't know if. Yes, he... but so does Max von Sydow. You know, he typically played villains. Okay. So. Well, I don't know. We yeah. shall see. Well, I'm not, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I want you to be correct so I can go. Ha ha! Look, Cloud City Casino did something. It was more Bruce, but whatever. <laughs> I'm a part of this. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah, and I'm not saying I am correct. It's just no. One but idea. I, I think it's a good. You know, to me, it's something that it's funny that I haven't seen anyone else really uh mention this you're the you're the only person i've heard to mention this and it just makes a lot of sense once you know once you hear it you're like yeah because this guy has that sort of familiarity to him this guy has this sort of setup like we're supposed to be paying more attention to him like we're supposed to be familiar with him and then then he dies so we're like who was that guy what's up with that and then you get that uh, you know, if, if if Rogue One comes around and then there he is, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the same guy. That's cool. We we learned something today. That's kind of how the Marvel films have done. So I think that you know, to me, that felt like sort of a little Marvel filmism with their in-world uh, 
universe building stuff. So I, I just kind of wonder if that's not what we had here. Just that they sort of place that in, and that was the little Rogue One tie. Um, I would so, love to see it if it if they do that. I, I think it would be great. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I hope you're right, man. I really, really do hope that that you're right with that. So we we will see. So, uh, so if it happens, people, you heard it here first. Mm-hmm. And this is the only place you'll get something first is right here. No, anyway. <laughs> so anyhow, then we get sort of a familiar scene where we have the the map that uh, Cito's character or uh, Lor Santeca gives to. Poe, he throws in BB-8 and BB-8 takes off. Very reminiscent of Leia putting um, putting the Death Star plans in R2 and, and R2 being sent off to uh, Tatooine, which is kind of interesting that they kill Max von Sydow's character because that sort of makes him the Captain Antilles of this film. Yes, that's true. Um, this is where we start to see a lot of the parallels between mm-hmm. this movie and A New Hope, which I'm not complaining about. But mm-hmm. I, as we talk through this, I'd like to kind of hit on those a little more because yeah. I haven't really, I haven't spent the time to sit there and, and analyze what the connections are with A New Hope, the same parallel storylines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I know people have been talking about that. So let's let's keep going on that. Okay, and uh, I'll say I think that there's a lot more. I'm I'm gonna say, and which uh, Brian Young, who's on Full of Sith, he actually put up a something today. I haven't read it yet. Sorry, Brian. Um, Ten times the Force Awakens nods to the Star Wars prequels. Um, I want to read that because I noticed some uh, connections as well so we'll we'll hit on those too but so so we get that that's sort of uh familiar so we have that and let's see what what happens next is poe fires on kylo ren and kylo ren doesn't deflect the bolt he freezes the bolt and simultaneously poe as well yeah i thought that was cool well here's the thing too that is also more of that visual storytelling that i was talking about earlier that's important you don't think about it. And I didn't think about it until I watched it this fifth time, but that's very important. He is, uh, essentially, I don't want to necessarily say taken by surprise by Poe, but he becomes aware of the situation. You know, Poe thinks he's got him and he's, he's doing his own thing. Poe fires on him and he's able to immediately freeze both that bolt and Poe simultaneously. That's going to be important later on when he gets shot at. But that was really cool seeing that that bolt freeze, which is, you know, it kind of comes to the whole thing of, okay, this guy is strong in the force. I have heard some people saying like, oh, he's a weakling or whatever. And it's like, no, where I don't, you know, obviously we kind of get from seeing that lightsaber, which I still say looks freaking awesome, how crude it is and the fact that he's not as, you know, he, he clearly did not complete his training with Luke because he, he didn't construct his lightsaber appropriately. You know, he, he wasn't able to actually build that. He couldn't, couldn't finish his last assignment to get his, uh, his Jedi badge to, sorry, I was trying to make a, an Eagle Scouts, um, uh-huh. reference for Mark. No, Mark would like that. Anyhow. So he's not a uh, full fledged Jedi. And that, I think that's kind of important as well. Then he, has the stormtroopers go and I laugh every time and maybe no one else laughs at this and I'm just a weirdo but when Poe's frozen and those two stormtroopers hurry past that bolt and then like punch him and everything and he's frozen it's just that's kind of funny to me 
Does that does that seem weird? Do I seem like a weirdo for this? No, I thought it was pretty funny too. I think there were several funny moments in this yeah. film, and that was one of them for sure. Yeah, and I thought it was cool just seeing that bolt just hovering there, and then at the end of that scene, it just you mm-hmm. know, as soon as Kylo walks away, but we have to back up too because we also got Finn. Now we we see Finn earlier on, and he's kind of hard to keep up with because he's in in there with those stormtroopers, and um, you know, it's not until which this is like I said again great visual storytelling from JJ. It's not until his buddy gets shot by Poe, actually, um, and then smears the blood on his helmet. And that's when you can actually tell, okay, going forward, this stormtrooper is different from the others. This is the one to pay attention to because he has the the bloody handprint, you know. But yeah, so he decides not to shoot on the uh, the civilians when Kylo gives the order. So why do you think that is? Because he just all of a sudden is, that's just not in his nature, or do you think something in the Force hit him? <sighs> that's a really good question i really think he's sort of the han of this film i know a lot of people or of this this saga i know a lot of people are saying poe dameron and and i get the connections personality wise well if anybody's listened to the 602 club that i was on you have heard john Mills say that finn was the jar jar of the film <laughs> yeah I but we're even, not going to get into that i can't even begin to wrap my head around that so um no he's He's the Han Solo and, and like I said, not of, Hey, he's the cool smuggler guy, but his role in the film, Han was the one who always wanted to, to be leaving. He didn't necessarily want to be in the mix, but he, he does have, you know, a good heart and the force, especially if you go listen to, um, some of the, the BBC audio dramas where they actually have Obi-Wan kind of explain to Luke that, Hey, he has a part to play in this. You know, that's kind of what uh, Finn is. You know, I think that the force, um, sort of enacted with him, not, not that he is force sensitive or he's a Jedi necessarily, but he was kind of playing that role that, that will become necessary later. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this is why, of course, I need to see it again. I, when I saw the film the first time, I there was I just remember a shot, a close up of Finn when he's in the armor, where the camera just kind of did this like, mm-hmm. like, and I remember thinking, oh, something just happened to this guy, like something mystical, something like force related, just mm-hmm. just hit him. Now I'm not saying he's strong in the force or he's got Jedi powers or necessarily anything like that. But the fact that the film is called The Force Awakens, The Force Awakens in Ray, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that wonders if The Force awakened in Finn for some reason. And I, I, I again, I'm not saying that he's Jedi mm-hmm. material or anything like that necessarily. I just wonder if The Force had something to do with that. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know say, either. Yeah, like I said, my thinking is is no. Um, I, I would love the idea. I think it's cool. You know, obviously we, but both what was that shot really then? There was something about that shot though. That wasn't, that was, the, and, and I've heard somebody say it's Kylo tapping into Finn and mm. feeling that he's, he's, uh, like he's reading into Finn knowing that Finn's not going to complete the mission. You're talking about the one where it sort of stops and, and, uh, Kylo looks over at Finn. Uh, again, I have to see it again, but there was just, the, it was early on, I think right after his buddy got shot where this, the camera did something like 
there was this quick little like weird thing with Finn with the camera. I, I don't know. I'd have to say again, this is this is where it'd be great if we had the actual like Blu-ray and we could like look at the video. So to <laughs> me, so here's how I'm remembering it. Um, it was almost sort of like a, um, if, if anyone's ever seen Saving Private Ryan, it was almost like a Saving Private Ryan type moment of him essentially witnessing the realities of war okay. in, in that moment. And he's actually seeing the death. You know, he, they basically say for this film that this is his first mission and this is the first time that he's actually been fired upon, you know, that he's actually seeing his, his own guys go down. And I think to me, it was kind of that it was just him basically getting that taste for war and realizing that that is not who he is. Uh-huh. And then you have Kylo who looks at him. And to me, that was basically supposed to just be, um, just very, you know, it's supposed to be uncomfortable of going, he knows, you know, Kylo looked over and, and he sees Finn. He's aware, um, of the situation and Finn is, Finn's in trouble. He, and all the more reason yeah, he has to is, escape. Yeah. Things are not good for him, him. Right. And, um, so then we jump to, you know, we, we, we have the stuff of, of that, the, you talk, I talk, and then they bring him onto the shuttle. He's in the, uh, the chair, and now I didn't hear it the first time, but I heard it the second time that we, we went, because as we mentioned, the, the audio was not great. You can hear that interrogation droid. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear that the first time. Did you hear it the second time, though? I don't recall, but yeah. I'm going to listen for it next time. Okay. So when, when Kylo's in there, you can, and it is faint, uh, but when he's in there, he's got his own new little interrogation droid. Um, uh, like right before he walks up to Poe. Um, and you hear that little wong, wong, wong noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool. Nice little callback. Um, I guess that in, in this, that you could essentially kind of relate that to, um, a new hope from that aspect, but honestly, mm, it's similar, but it's still, it's not as much of a, um, a similarity to some of the others, you know, and, and talking about, you know, the people who, who want to call this a, a reboot, you know, the stuff with, with Finn, um, all of that was very new, you know, the whole, right. yeah, just, I don't, I don't even go into that further. Uh, everything that we just talked about with Finn, that's all, you know, very much new. And so he, you know, he, he takes his helmet off. He's looking like he can barely breathe. And then Phasma sneaks up on him and uh, just really kind of puts more of the that danger upon him. So he takes it upon himself to break out Poe. And uh, then you get that great line, or you get a couple of great lines. That's, that's where the bromance starts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's when we knew they're going to exchange clothes at some point. <laughs> right. That's right. They're going to exchange clothes. <laughs> hey, I was kind of right on that. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I said it was but at yeah. the beginning of the film and, and I'm like, well, I don't know why. I mean, now we know and it kind of makes it, you know, and everything sort of falls in line, but he does, he takes his jacket and, and what does he do? I told him beforehand, he's like, I like that jacket, you know? And he's like, okay, here we go. Well, that's kind of how it was. He's like, Hey, that's my jacket. And he's like, Oh, sorry. He goes like, no, it suits you. So <laughs> I, well, I basically called that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was the point then I really uh, realized that, 
I'm, I was going to like the character of Poe because going mm-hmm. into the film, I was really psyched about Finn and Ray, but I really didn't like, uh, I don't know. I, I like Poe. I didn't feel like I knew that much or saw that much right. even from the actor. And then when, you know, he said the, do you talk or I talk or whatever. Right. And then we see the scene with Finn. That's how I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this guy's going to be fun. I'm going to like this guy a lot. Right. And, and we've since found out that uh, Poe was initially meant to die right here afterwards. So he was not meant to be, you know, as big of a character, which kind of makes sense because he didn't, you know, he, you felt like, okay, there needed to be more of him in this film. So, you know, that, that would be one of my smaller complaints. I'd I'd like to got some more roundness of him, but I do think that, you know, episode eight, because we have Ray doing her own journey. I think that's going to put Poe and Finn on their journey together. Um, uh, that's where we get the whole thing of, Oh, I'm breaking you out of here. And he's like, he's like, why are you doing this? He's like, it's the right thing to do. He goes, you need a pilot. He's like, yeah, I need a pilot. And he's like, we're going to do this, <laughs> you know? Cause that's when you're like, awesome. I like Poe, you know, he's, he's encouraging in that moment. You know what I mean? Or he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. We're, he doesn't know, uh, Finn. He doesn't know, um, who he's just teamed up with as far as is he in trouble or not, but he's, he's positive about it. He's encouraging and he doesn't say, Oh, I'm going to do this. He says, we're going to do this. And, and I think to me that in, endeared Poe to me a little bit. And so then, then, uh, they're walking through and, and, uh, Finn's saying, he's like, what do you say? Don't not, don't be nervous, but he's like, stay calm or something like that. Some, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stay yeah i don't remember something about yeah stay calm or he goes i am calm and then you and i love that little bit from him uh, john boyega because it was so it was so natural where he's like huh what like he was so in his own head at that moment that he was not paying attention to poe and and that came off of where he's like huh what i was talking to myself (laughs) (laughs) he he didn't even realize that poe may be paying attention and think that he's talking to him so i i really enjoyed that and then they take that special forces tie fighter which i loved i still love that tie fighter i'm glad we actually got to see it in action i like the tie fighter too uh Going in before I saw it, I've got it, you know, s- displayed in my room. But I like mm-hmm. the fact that the the two of them are are both in there together. One's flying it, one's shooting out the other end of it, mm-hmm. and you know the interplay between the two, and then the ship getting hit and uh, heading down to Jakku and crash landing there, and then uh, that whole that whole uh, scene was really fun. I really mm-hmm. liked it a lot. So right before this actually happens, we get the the whole scene with Ray. She's scavenging for parts inside this down star destroyer. She then comes out of there and you see that it's kind of tough where she she's having to drag it and pile it all onto her her little uh fudge pop speeder. And then she she takes off across, you know, this open wasteland and then you see her haul her you know because it's like they're really showing that hey it's heavy she's having to drag all of these parts and everything and then she gets all the way up to um simon Pegg's character and then all of that stuff that she had and everything and he's like one quarter portion so then that's where you realize that okay she's only getting a quarter of a, a portion of what i would imagine is food i don't know if that's for the day or if that's just a quarter of a meal basically but not a lot of food um is what we're supposed to take from that and she's not talking the whole time that's the only real dialogue um for quite some time until ray actually finally speaks 
that's why I liked about this film was there was the go, 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 but then we took a moment to just focus on Ray and, and see who she is and just let that kind of breathe. And I like that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so then we start to get the first little bits of hint, which I mean, I guess you could say to start with, you know, her is very similar to how Luke's journey began. You know, we're getting that from her. Um, and then you see the little, the little doll that she's made of an X-Wing pilot. And then she starts making her food, which is, you know, she adds this water to it and it all does its thing. And that's where I think I said to you, I said, ah, I said, so we've got a, a green roll now. I said, that's the blue milk of this trilogy. Can I, wait, I'm sorry. It just hit me. The, the doll. Uh-huh. When would she really even? Uh, here's a girl who's stranded on stranded on Jakku. You really mm-hmm. don't have the resistance hanging around Jakku, yet mm-hmm. she has. She makes a doll that's an X-wing pilot. Mm-hmm. Why, of all things, would this girl on Jakku decide to make a doll that's an X-wing pilot? And the reason it's just hit me right now is, well, maybe because that was a doll that was made when she was quite young after her father who was an X-Wing pilot, left her behind. <laughs> well, I don't think her father left her behind, but yeah, something along those lines is, is very likely. I definitely think that that, that doll is, it, it's, it's, like I said, it's visual storytelling. You're supposed to infer something from that. Uh, just like the helmet, then when she's finally making her dinner, she's sitting at the foot of the ATAT, and she has this helmet sitting next to her, which looks almost identical you know it's mostly it's got more of a, an orangish look than what luke's helmet had but it looks incredibly similar to luke's helmet which as i've said before would not be the case if um if they were just trying to just do a, a regular helmet um and not want to try to tell you something because they would want to make it look different but they didn't they wanted to make it look very similar to even the little um you know, the little V's or, or chevrons or whatever those things are on it. And then we hear some noises and it's to me, it's, this is the only time and maybe it was Tito or whatever, but it sounded like you hear like in a little robotic type voice, let go of me. Did you notice that? Uh, no, I didn't pick up on that. No. Okay. It, maybe it's just my head, but I'm like, every time I'm like, ah, it sounds like that. But so we hear Tito uh, wrestling with BB-8 and has captured uh, BB-8. Now that's very similar to, um, you know, as as before. Like I said, I think the 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 green biscuit is almost supposed to be like the the blue milk. Um, but that's very similar to R2 being captured by the Jawas, and uh, because they were scavengers as well, and. You know, even though Luke's uncle bought R2 here, she actually frees him. So so there's there's that tie as well. And then that's where so so BB-8 uh, decides that he wants to stay with her. And then that's where that starts. So I guess next is where uh, Finn wakes up, um, I guess, that next morning and he finds he, or he assumes basically that Poe is dead because we see that TIE fighter in flames. He goes to to try to pull him out and he grabs the jacket and the TIE fighter basically gets swallowed up by the, the sinking sands that we heard about earlier. 
Yeah, that scene bothered me because I I thought then he would run away, start running because, oh my gosh, he could be sinking, like something could swallow him up too, but he just stands there and watches it and goes like, oh, well, crap. And then he just walks away. But I'm sorry, if I was standing there, I saw it sink, I'd be running because I'd be thinking I'm going to be sinking next. Well, I think he... um... Because it didn't seem like it was the weight. It seemed like something was, it was just the ground sucking something sucking it in right possibly but i don't know if running is going to help you you know especially if you run you may run into something that you didn't see necessarily that then is going to swallow you up that way i just don't i don't know i just don't see running being any more helpful well, i don't see standing um, there either <laughs> yeah. well i mean he he does walk or away. at least backing away or something yeah. like whoa so um that's where he he starts to shed that stormtrooper armor and throw on the uh, really sweet resistance jacket, and then he ends up seeing. Uh, let's see, so that's that's where we get the sixty portions for BBA, right? She couldn't give up BB to him. Yeah, because she's you know you get she's a good person, even though um, you take that you know she's getting maybe. Let's see, so he offered her a half a portion for her parts that time and um she basically even argues with him about the uh the worth of those parts and you know so you, you sort of assume that she's not really getting you know she's she doesn't seem to ever really be getting a full portion right mm-hmm. and then he turns around and offers for bb 60 portions which is a lot yeah but she can't do it because she's got a good heart. I think it's in the novel that it would give her um, like a month's worth of food or something. Oh, wow. Okay. She turns him down. So Unkar gets mad, sends his thug- thugs after her. And Poe witnesses this when he's drinking the nasty Hapabor water. And um, he <laughs> so he basically goes to help her, but then he sees her completely take these guys out and uh, defend herself, which is it's kind of good. On, on I mean, it's it's also like I said, you know, nice uh, setup storytelling as well because you get you see that hey, she can defend herself, but also she has these sort of uh, martial skills that are going to be more explanatory later on. And I guess I've seen the prequels too much because mm-hmm. when they showed the Hapabor and Finn starts to leave him, you see the back end of him. I expected it to fart. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> well, like, Oh, here it comes. And I was like, Oh no, they didn't do it. <laughs> well, you know what though? We do get a belch later on from the, um, uh, okay. The Rathtar. Did you catch that? Oh, yeah, you're right. I hadn't yeah. thought about it, but yeah. So that's sort of a uh, throwback to the Sarlacc. Yeah. Because that, that's essentially what those things were. They, they were kind of a, a combination uh, of a few things. You get the, the Sarlacc, you get the Dianaga, and then you even get some Minoc in there uh, with those guys. They, I think that's a big part of why that scene maybe carried on a little too long, even though it had some cool parts to it and everything. Uh-huh. Um. I think that scene carried on a little too long and um, it's because they were trying to do so many references because also that's the other thing when, when you see um, them coming through and, and eating everybody and Han takes off, that's supposed to be an homage to Indiana Jones as well. 
So, yeah. I mean, that's just right there. The the Rathtars, <coughs> you know, comprised of what four different references. Yes, and going back to when uh, Ray and Finn meet up, mm-hmm. uh, my one of my wife's favorite lines and my favorite is "Stop holding my hand." Oh yeah, yeah. Don't hold my hand. And, yeah, don't so, hold my hand. Why are you holding my hand? Stop it. <laughs> so yeah. So let's see. So she pretty much after he sees that, and I want to say. So that's another thing I love. I love that he looks around um, after he witnesses her beat them all up. I thought that was some another cool little thing from John Boyega of just being like, "You see that? Some, everybody. I'm not the only one who saw that, right?" <laughs> and then she basically. Now this is a stormtrooper, right? A guy who says he was raised to do one thing, and she sets her sights on him when uh, BB calls him out. And he runs from her. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was kind of awesome. So then they explain everything. He does his funny little, uh, yes, I'm, I'm with the resistance. This is what we look like. Others look different. Basically, at that point is where I guess the First Order shows up. And um, they they kind of, or they've now had their little meet cute. And now they're running. But then you, you get the idea that she's independent. You know, she doesn't want somebody holding her hand. But... Do you think that is basically just to say, hey, I'm independent. I don't need you to hold my hand. Or do you think that because uh, the line is stop taking my hand. And then I think she even says, I, I know how to run without you taking my hand or something. Like I can't remember the exact lines. But um, do you think there's just that about that? Or do you think that there's something in her character um, past just being an independent uh, character? Do you think that there's something there where she has an issue with people holding her hand. Um, and what I'm really referring to is, is the, uh, the little Jedi dream sequence or whatever the, the force vision. Uh, honestly, I think you, you might be reading into that maybe too much. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's really anything except she's a germaphobe. No, I'm kidding. I don't think she's a germaphobe. <laughs> well, um, she saw, you know what it was? She saw him drinking <laughs> that nasty hyperbore water and she didn't want him touching her. That's, that's what it really comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it's just kind of showing she's strong and I think it's just also to be uh, set up something between the characters that there's, you mm-hmm. know, some comedic element to it. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're probably right. I was just curious, like I said, if maybe there's more to it. And, you know, and the fact that it's almost like he's the one who needs to hold her hand. Right, right. You know, if she doesn't need him holding, but he needs to hold, right. he needs to hold her hand. And then second, you know, as they're running towards the, the jumper, he's, she's like, you know, he goes, we need a pilot. She's like, we've got one. And it's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, you seem to, mm-hmm. you don't need your handheld and you're going to fly the thing. Okay, Miss Know-It-All. Well, and it's funny too, even because y- you keep getting that where he's, he's definitely the person who, even though, and I think that's kind of part of the comedy, even though he's the one who was raised as a, as a stormtrooper, he's the one who's kind of always having to be helped out. We have the the thing of where the TIE fighter hits them and they both go flying. He gets knocked out and he goes, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm not the one who got knocked out. Like I'm just fine. He's always like checking to to make sure or whatever. But it's it's always him that's the <laughs> um the one on the ground, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. So then they they go running through, and she says, "Well, we got to get to that quad jumper," which I thought was cool. That adds a little more to canon. We have this new ship, um, which that to me actually reminded me of talking about prequels. That sort of reminded me of the prequels a bit. Uh, the quad jump jumper reminded me of like a, uh, one of those, uh, quad, uh, pod racers, you know, that had the four different engines. 
Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe that's that's just a stretch as well or something. But that that's what that kind of reminded me of was uh, um, the the pod racing. And then of course you get that great line of what about that ship? Now that ship's garbage. And then uh, they go, oh, the garbage will do. And then you have that nice little pan to the Millennium Falcon uh, going back to Luke saying, what a piece of, tr- was, what did you say? What a, <laughs> yeah, what a piece of junk. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just sort of a similar and take on And 30 years that. later, mm-hmm. it's still junk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially 30 years later. I knew right away. Well, because yeah. I knew certain spoilers before going in. Ah, well, but I knew right away when Finn's like points, you know, what about that over there? And they don't show the ship. I was like, oh, that's the Falcon. I know it. <laughs> yeah, they, they jump on the Falcon at that point and they have a rough start, but then they pick it up pretty quickly and, and work well as a team together. The, the funny thing is that, you know, that scene's not really going back to A New Hope as much as to me, I really got more Empire Strikes Back from that, where you know, because he goes, he goes, we're not really doing this, are we? Or something like, or he goes, are we really doing this? You know, that was Leia going, uh, I take it back, you know, where, where they're going. Like, you're not where, going a- into an asteroid field, right, are you? Han takes him into the asteroid field. That's what I got from that one. Yeah, I agree with you there. So, and then, of course, the best part of that was where she just shuts the thing off and uh, Finn fires on the one and then they fly off into space. Yeah. Um, and then so shortly after that, we get uh, we get our cute little BB-8 moments, our funny BB-8 moments with the, you know, everybody's talking about the thumbs up lighter, um, which I liked more so. I liked him backing up real quick. He goes, I'm not really with the resistance. And he's just like, what? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and BB-8 backs up real quick. That I loved. Uh, you know, that that uh, all the personality we got out of BB-8 was awesome. And then they think that they're getting boarded by the uh yeah so they think they're getting boarded by the first order but then it ends up being han and chewy right chewy were home yeah which was uh was great which i knew the whole time the moment that that was uh opened up i knew that's what it was um which isn't the exact clip from the trailer is it not to me it looked exactly the same now, because in the trailer, they come on board and Han stands there and says, Chewie, we're home. And he s- remains standing there and Chewie growls. But in the film, he says, Chewie, we're home. And he starts walking as soon as he says, we're home. And mm-hmm. che- and as as Han walks, starts walking, then Chewie comes up behind him and growls. Okay. It's just slightly different. Yeah, it's probably just an alternate take of the same thing. Yeah, this was, this was my least favorite scene of the movie. It's not that I didn't like it, it's just didn't do much for me. I agree. I think, like I said, for me, I think it went on a little too long. It was just too much setup and, and payoff. There's just too much. Um, yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It just went, it was a little t- too long. It's too yeah. dr- drug drawn out because because it's the thing that needed the most explanation everything you had to explain okay you're carrying wrath tars what are wrath tars have you heard of the um trillion massacre no good and then they're like okay you're gonna hide down here what about bb-8 he stays with me until um i get rid of them and then um you can have him back and i'll send you out of here all of that is set up and you know it's cool because like i said it was neat seeing the wrath tars and then they he goes he goes these wrath tars where are you keeping them and then it goes poop up against the thing he goes there's one you know that was definitely that jump scare that you got where leia's in the cockpit and the minoc 
uh, pops up on, on the um, the cockpit, right? Yep. So then they're down there, and then you have the, the Guavian Death Gang show up, and he's like, Solo, you're a dead man. And then he's like, oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, what's going on? And he's like, we want our money back. And he's like, you borrowed 5000 for this job. And he's like, look, I'll pay you. And then he's like, we also heard you uh, borrowed 5000 from Kanja Club. You know you can't trust those little freaks. And then, see uh, <laughs> what he says. So then... Basically, he tells them, you know, they kind of argue back and forth and he goes, tell that to Kanja Club, which I got to say, I think from now on, if anybody ever tells me something where they're just like, like, oh, I couldn't do this because of such and I'd be like, tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs> That's my new uh, go to response. Just so you know, I'll th- I'm going to throw that at you. I'm um, sure I'll hear it. <laughs> Um, so we have that. So now here's the cool thing, because this scene is very reminiscent of the trash compactor scene. The actual, uh, the garbage masher of the, the two sides closing in, the gangs essentially are supposed to be taking that place. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you have the Guavian death gang is essentially one wall and then Kanja club is the other as they're coming toward Han. Uh-huh. So they sort of um, are, are meant to, um, you know, h- how they're flanking, they're meant to be representative of that. And then, of course, Ray, um, because she's super smart and she's like, oh, I know we can we can take out the, the fuses. That's something I learned in scavenger school. But she obviously did not learn which fuses were correct, because instead of closing the doors and trapping them, she opens the doors to the uh the Rathars and that's where Rathars start killing everybody and then Han murders someone this this scene reminded me of JJ's films uh with the Star Trek they he seems to want to put in a monster here and there well, just does, like this and apparently he really does like monster films and you know it, it past that it reminds me it reminds me less of star trek i don't um well i guess that that ice monster thing but more so than that it reminds me of super eight yeah that too mm-hmm. yeah but uh i definitely see it it is sort of a, a jjism which is fine you have um han punch the guy and then you're like okay he punched the guy that's pretty cool han and then he throws them into his mouth which to me is like wait a minute i thought he was uh not supposed to be a cold-blooded killer um but apparently he is so i think he didn't shoot greedo first that's just my just my thought um oh and thank goodness that was my biggest fear i did not want to go in this movie and there's a little funny line in there about han shooting first (laughs) well like i said i think that was kind of a a callback to that in a way, but he throws him into the, the mouth of the, the Rathtar and you know, it's, it does look sort of like the Sarlacc pit and it then burps up a, a, a boot, which is similar to the Sarlacc pit. Um, and then one grabs Finn and, uh, Ray goes and shuts the door, uh, chopping the tentacles off, which like I said, also kind of reminds you of the, the Dianaga. And eventually they end up, hopping in the Falcon and then lights beating out of there. Um, like I said, there's more to that scene, but it was really long. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I don't, I mean, I can't say exactly how you would cut it all down, but it needed to be cut down. That, that will, that is, that is probably my, my biggest complaint with the film as far as like uh, story structure goes. I, I would have liked more R2, but that's a personal thing. Um, you know, I can't remember quite where they go from there. Uh, well, they take off in the ship. Uh-huh. 
And that's when they decide to go see Maz Kanata. That's right. And because right before that, they, in order to see Maz, they then explain it's all the true. Force. Yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah. All of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that where he calls uh, Finn big deal? The first time, too? Yeah, he does, because that's where... So they, they he has that little scene, and then somewhere along those lines, you get Kylo having his fit. This is, to me, this is one of the funniest lines in the film, and I laugh so hard, where the guy comes up, and Kylo's like at the, the little control panel, and he says, uh, Sir, we the droid evaded us. He's like, escaped on a, a freighter, and he's like, the droid stole a freighter? <laughs> and I laugh so hard. <laughs> it was so funny to me. And he's like, no, not necessarily. He had help, you know. And then uh, he just like wails on that uh, on that control panel. You know? Yeah. And then of course he he mentions the girl, and he goes, "What girl?" And then he bring bring them to him, which you know that to me kind of says that obviously he is familiar with Ray. And that when he wails on the control panel, that was great because that showed us that this is not another Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. This is a different character that apparently has some issues. Right. I mean, and he, he it, is not in control. Right. Right. And you know, Vader, I don't think was. Um, Vader in, was too cool, man. He's not going to sit there and tear things up. Right. But he was not fully in control either in, in the first film, but we definitely are getting that. And, and then the one thing I'll say is immature. That, this character is immature compared to Vader. I would, I wouldn't say so much immature as insecure and, and insecure, you know, possibly yes. the two go together, but he, he has a lot of insecurities. Yep. And, this this is kind of, I think, the first, or at least that I can think of offhand or notice um, now when I go see it for the sixth time, I'll, I'll be looking for it. But this is sort of that first time that you see it where he he has his temper. Um, but Vader had his temper as well. You know, he would uh, actually choke people, but Kylo doesn't do that. He just cuts stuff up with his lightsaber, um, which is also you know kind of funny because that seems to be his weakest point you know vader would force choke people he doesn't even though he seems to be really strong in the force and not the best lightsaber fighter ever he seems to really rely more on on the lightsaber uh which is i don't know because i think it's it's more of uh, a tale of his insecurities possibly that may just be me reading too much into it so then we get uh yeah we, we get the uh, the big deal line with um uh, Finn and Han, where he's he asked him, he's like, "Are there any uh, are there any first order sympathizers here?" And, um, he's like, "I'm a big deal in the resistance." Like, listen here, big deal, you got bigger problems. Women always find out the truth, always, <laughs> you know, which is great because it, you know, to then you kind of find out later and you can put the pieces together. Okay, Han never believed that he was with the resistance because he knows better and not just because he can kind of sense Poe, but because who leads the resistance, his wife, (laughs) Yep, you know? And, um, so they go see, um, they go see, uh, Maz. And before that he offers Ray a job and, and he gives her a gun. Now, 
what I had heard uh, going back through the spoilers and stuff, which was a lot of fun, I would suggest for anybody to do. Go read the spoilers now. If you were avoiding them beforehand, go read them now and, and, and find out what people were thinking and what they got right, what they got wrong. And so that was one of the things that they were able to find out was that um, Han gives Rey a gun. And it's and possibly that was kind of the, the case initially and it got changed or possibly it was just misinterpreted. But initially they thought he gave her his gun, mm. the, uh, the his DL-44. Right. Um, a little fun thing, though, if you actually look at the gun he does give her, um, I don't know if it was built the same or if it's just meant to look that way. Because, you know, obviously now they're like Kylo Saber was 3D printed. So it could be the same thing with this gun. But if you actually look at it, it looks like it's built on the frame of a Mauser pistol, just like the DL-44 was. Okay. So I wouldn't know that. well if you um if you look up the i can't remember the the exact model of that pistol but it is the uh i think it's the c96 let me see make sure that's correct yes so the the mauser um c96 um pistol if you look at that what ray has it looks as though maybe they've you know it's a little more polished but it looks like they did more they removed possibly everything i mean they broke it down to basically just the bare frame and then added stuff on there or at least made it appear that way just something neat that i thought it's not really that important there definitely are some obvious similarities between the two guns so then we go meet maz who is based on a teacher that jj abrams had yeah i read that too that's really really cool yeah, unfortunately, she passed away about two years ago before he could actually show her the character. Oh, yeah, that's yes. sad because I liked that character and, and finding that out. I was like, OK, that's kind of great that basically, you know, she's this character who who's seen a lot and, you know, she essentially can spot out someone's potential. That's supposed to be based on, on, on his teacher that obviously meant a lot to him. And what great puppetry. I mean, you know, the fact that this is all practical effects and no CGI. Oh my, don't do that. Just, don't do that. <laughs> I get so tired of that because everyone's doing that. Like, oh, this wasn't practical effects. You know, they obviously said that that wasn't the case. I just don't know why everybody's on that bandwagon of like, oh, let's, let's, you know, piss and moan about. Ahmed Best was great in this role. <laughs> Was it in this role? Oh, that wasn't him. So uh, here's the thing, though. But we have since found out that they did use for some of the um, the mocap. It wasn't all necessarily Lapita because obviously she's she's not as short as Maz is. But they used the same woman who did the gonk droid was the same one who did some of the mocap for Maz. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So she was one of the, the mocap CGI characters, but I thought she looked good though. You know I mean? that That's the main thing is that things look real and tangible. And when you rely so much on, on other things, they just, they don't. I mean, I'll even say Snoke is a little rubbery looking. What? You mean Gollum? <laughs> Supreme leader Gollum. I guess I'm less interested in who he is. I'm more interested in where he's been. Okay, so here's the thing. I from some of that I can't say a hundred percent because it's not come out of Hermsen's data, but but they've given you a lot from that. In aftermath, they mentioned Palpatine essentially had some sort of dark side connections or something along those lines. They'd mentioned going out to the outer rim to maybe possibly find some sort of dark side power that they they may can use, right? Mm -hmm. In the visual guide. 
they mentioned that the finalizer, Kylo's ship, which it's called the finalizer, and that's really cool, um, especially considering that uh, Vader's ship was called the uh, Devastator. Yes. So that's that's cool. I like that they named them <clears throat> like that, and, and it, has, it shares that similarity. But it was apparently built sort of in secret out in the uh, the Outer Rim, or I think they call it the Outer Reaches or whatever. So it's supposed to go past the Outer Rim, you know, right? Basically out in this mysterious void, right? So that, I mean, that's got to be where Snoke comes from. I mean, that just, it just seems like that they're, all but telling us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they went and found him mm-hmm. out in the unknown somewhere. Right. I could live with that. That would that would work. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what it is. I, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of like Palpatine, where you get Palpatine. I just think it's the way that our minds work now. You know, if you would have seen that, oh, what's what's up with him and blah, 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 blah. A lot of that stuff, he was just the emperor. And emperor, that sounds scary and... um you know, very much. He, he was basically a, a space sorcerer. I'm kind of thinking that's basically what we're going to get from Snoke as well. I just I don't think that they're going to add that much complexity to him. I'm just so Snoke to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So back to uh, Maz's castle. No, there's no there's no familiar, you know, familiar ish, but no actual known species, all new species of creatures. And how did you feel about that? It didn't bother me too much. I just, what happened is while I'm watching that scene, I'm, I'm liking the idea of seeing different creatures that I've mm-hmm. never seen before. But the whole time I kept looking to find one that I recognized, like where's one, where's one? Oh, that one's cool. That one's cool. But where's one that I actually recognize and not a single one. And I was just kind of hoping there'd be at least one or two that like, Oh, there's a Rodian over there or mm-hmm. whatever. But just the fact that they excluded anything that's been used before, it was a little disappointing to me, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not something I'm upset about because, you know, really when you watch uh, Jabba's palace, you're not really seeing a repeat of what you saw in the cantina and it's the same planet. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if, you know, you went into Jabba's palace and look, it's all the same cantina creatures on, on Tatooine again. No, it was a whole different array of characters sprinkled a couple familiar ones here and there, but that's kind of what I was hoping well, we'd see couple, this. But I only can think of one, you know, we had the one Rodian that was essentially just Greedo. <laughs> they all <laughs> wear the same clothes, but past <laughs> that, what else was new? There was uh Jawas. Or I'm sorry, not, not new, but uh, uh familiar. Yeah, that's right. There, familiar, were, there right. was like a Jawa or two. Ja- mm-hmm. But really, yeah, that's, I mean, me, maybe there's one more that we're not thinking of, but yeah, it's very few, if any. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying I would have liked to see with this is the same thing. Maybe just one in there that we recognized, maybe two at the most. But it wasn't, I'm not real disappointed in it. It's, I mean, it's a totally different planet and different system, which which makes sense that you'd have mm -hmm. different aliens in different places, but we have humans everywhere. (laughs) Well, that's true. But I think that, uh, you know, humans are are essentially the the majority and, and, uh, aliens or maybe, but then again, I don't know. I, I just, I don't care. The point I think that, that they were trying to make with that, um, honestly is that, you know, one of the, the complaints that I've, I've heard about star Wars a lot is that the, the world or the galaxy seems too small. 
And I'm wondering if that the reason that, that we got all brand new aliens, which actually it may be one of two reasons, but I'm wondering if uh, the reason that, that we didn't get all brand new aliens is because they wanted to make the world seem less small. It's that, or it could also be, you know, JJ's love of the the monsters and stuff like that and wanting to see just all these new aliens. And that's cool, but mm-hmm. then I would have suggested to them to not make Jakku seem as much like Tatooine with the moisture evaporators out there that look identical to Tatooine. Maybe make them look different. Well, but I, I mean, mean, but that's one. That's one. It's technology, thing, you know. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. That's that's one thing. Um, because you got to think of God. I wish I could think of the uh, the place where Ray goes, but um, you know that place that she keeps showing up. That that town is much smaller than like Moss Eisley, right? That uh, right. on Jakku. So, and it is different. You know, it's basically tents and um, all this dusty stuff and everything. So, you know, it's it's meant to feel similar, but also be different on its own as well. So, I disagree with you, Sarah. I think that. Um, I think they did just fine with keeping things similar, but, but different in, in that aspect. Who was your, who was your favorite from, uh, I'll, I'll ask two questions then. Who was your favorite creature, alien or whatever that we saw in the, um, in Maz's castle? And if you could put one species in Maz's castle that we've seen before, which species would you put? Uh, of course, I'm not going to know the names of any of these, but the the one one of the ones that Finn was leaving with that kind of looked like maybe it's almost like a robot or kind of armor. So there's one that basically, um, I mean, he does look different, but I almost to describe him, um, you know, a red painted Grievous, and then yeah. there's a the little fat. Um, thing i don't even know what you call that like almost like a little short snoutless pig or something i don't know yeah i wasn't talking about him <laughs> so you like the the red grievous looking dude yeah it was just kind of different favorite? okay and then i guess the alien i would have liked to see seen in there is greedo <laughs> you want to see another rodian okay. well i don't know not necessarily i don't know um uh no i i I can actually answer this Mm -hmm. i would like to see and and the official name is escaping me right now but hammerhead okay so that's where it's the authorian and yes um that is exactly where i would go and that's the thing that i've heard people say they're like oh there's no authorians and i'm like yeah authorians are pretty sweet that's what i would have liked to have seen um but i mean we only saw an authorian one time in a film that i can i don't ever recall them in the prequels no no he was only in the the canteen and that Mm -hmm. was it and then that was the end of it. Yeah, it would it would be outside of uh then clone wars clone wars yeah we see some authorians and some of the um other expanded universe stuff and everything we've definitely seen them but um it it would just be nice to see them on film maybe we'll go to um their home world in the next one and then there's just gonna be just all hammerheads everywhere that would be cool (laughs) that would be pretty sweet um (laughs) they should just let us write the no they probably shouldn't we wouldn't do as well i don't think we we would ruin it so um you know that's what we'll do instead of, so we'll do the third let us do the third film because i mean that guy did jurassic world he's gonna screw it up anyway so what how much worse can we do so we'll do that film but we'll do it kind of like return of the jedi but instead of having uh ewoks we'll have a thorians let's just say give me that film 
<laughs> and I and give me George's original concepts, and I'll put something together. Yeah. As far as my favorite species that we saw in that castle, it's kind of hard for me to think. As far as you know, what? See, I don't know if this is cheating or not because honestly, my favorite thing was not an actual alien, but I liked uh, a couple of the droids that we saw. So I don't I don't know if you'd, you'd count that or not, but I really liked the the one who. You know, where you have um, the court jester looking girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she rats them out to the uh, first order. And then you have that other droid that reports them to the resistance. I thought that droid was pretty cool because I've always liked 2-1-B and he has that microphone mouth kind of like 2-1-B has. Yes, I like that. And um, he was cool. And then I also liked that um, more feminine looking droid. That is almost kind of like a, a protocol droid, but isn't. So wait, you said you have hots for a droid? No, I said I thought that she looked cool. Oh, um, I thought you said she turned you on. No, no. Okay. So I don't... Uh, Wishful thinking. <laughs> I don't know what's up her, but you know what? So the cool thing about her as well, she looks she looks kind of like C-3PO, but if you actually look at her, she looks a lot like the Ralph McQuarrie concept of C-3PO as well, which comes from... Um, that movie Metropolis. Mm-hmm. If you yep. if you get if you get a chance to pull her or to pull up, you know the the Maz Katina, Maz Katina, Maz Kanata, um, aliens or whatever, you know, and and you see that droid, look look at it um, next to that uh, uh, the Macquarie sketcher or to the um, Metropolis robot because she actually does look like she resembles that a lot. Um, does that count or do I have to have an actual no, alien? That counts. Okay, no, that cool. counts. So we'll move along. <laughs> so it took me five times to see it um, because I kept misunderstanding where it was, but you won the, we, we never bet money on it, but you, you did win the, uh, about there being the mention of the word Sith in the movie. And I was wrong in that. No, well, I, we did bet money on that. Mm, if you can pull up that episode and and that says the the dollar amount, but uh, I think I remember you saying I'll bet you a hundred bucks. <laughs> like I said, that- just pull pull the episode up and we'll we'll go from there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. There was no money. Yeah, um, and I was not sure that was gonna. I was just saying it's possible. Right. I wasn't saying it was definitely gonna happen. I just said it's possible, and you said there's no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, what I've learned <clears throat> Star Wars is anything is possible. Right. I still say from it, it wasn't brought up in in the way <clears throat> that we mentioned because it's you know like I was saying beforehand I don't think that we're going to hear any of any of the main characters say that because they didn't even know about the Force really. You hear oh that's all true and and Han even is saying uh, the dark side. He doesn't say uh, the Sith, and then we know that with um kylo that they don't really mention the sith or anything like that so i was like so we're not gonna hear that i didn't really take into account well you know maz might because we didn't really know much about maz at that point um but she definitely with everything you know if someone was going to say sith in that film i think maz was the only one who could really get away with it and it worked or maybe she doesn't say sith maybe she says another four letter word that begins with s (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is evil. I've seen all kinds of evil, like the yeah. That's why I got the PG thirteen rating. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's um, it's cool. I like it. 
I I just I didn't expect it. Well, well, yeah, but the point is that I mean, first of all, I mean, it really is not an Im- real important lie. I mean, Sith do not are not the focus of no. this movie at all. No, <laughs> no, but it but it's it is kind of important in, in a way because it's like we said, there's a lot more a lot of people or upset. There's people who are still upset that these films are too far away from the prequels. Well, and I think that's what it was trying to establish the fact that, you know, Mm -hmm. this doesn't have to be about Sith and this doesn't have to be about the empire. There's other, there's Mm -hmm. evil elsewhere. Right. But I mean, and that's really what that was establishing to say that this is different. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's exactly, these are the new bad guys. Those are the old bad guys. And those are the bad guys after that. Now this is the bad guys we have now. Right. Um, you know, so it's. I, I was just pointing out it is important because the the prequels were not stuffed for this film. You know, they they definitely show up. They're definitely mentioned. Um, how many times was Sith mentioned in the original trilogy? Never. So um, that's that is a prequel reference essentially. Yes, you know, it is. If, if you're looking only at the the films, yes, I know Sith appeared in other media, but as far as the film goes, it was never in the original film, but it was in the prequels. So. But, but they can all, they can always put it back in. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, we have the first order show up, destroys. No, no, hold on, let's back up. We got to get to that uh, that lightsaber. Oh, there's a lightsaber in this movie. It calls <laughs> to you. <laughs> I was about to say, well, that's our show. Um, but yeah, so we've got that lightsaber. What did you think about? So, so she goes down there, she opens it up. I didn't think about it until later. That lightsaber is actually in a case very similar to the case that it was in when uh, Obi-Wan pulled it out to give to Luke. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. If it is, uh, well, I'm not, saying it, I'm not saying it's so much that it is the same case as much as right. I'm saying that it's sort of, once again, another homage. Right. But you know, that's one of those scenes and have only seen it twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but again, that's one of those scenes I would, I can't wait for it to come out on. So you can pause it and yeah, I, that's something you and, definitely and, have to pause and mm-hmm. really like study, you know, yeah. cause I didn't even pick up that, uh, we hear Obi-Wan say Ray's name. Yep. Yeah, we definitely do. And so that's, that's kind of where I wanted to go to. So let's, let's go through that little, uh, sequence. So it starts off, uh, very interesting and, and maybe I'm, I'm dumb and cause I've, I've kind of heard other people talk about it and you know, they, they, the first thing I hear them mention is the, the Bespin fight. But the first thing you see is sort of a narrow hallway that is, um, I don't know. It's got like some like electricity um, going or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? You remember that part yeah. of it? Is that from Bespin? I don't necessarily recognize that, but maybe that's where, um, where Luke falls down or whatever. And the lights flip on. Is that what yeah, that is? I'm, I'm not sure either, but that's what I've read other people saying. Yeah. I'll need to see that and compare them. And then of course, then, the she kind of has to start running at that point and things seem to collapse. And then that's where she is now out in the mud in the rain. And you see, Kylo, um, standing with the, the Knights of Ren around. Well, actually you get the, uh, the Jedi, um, 
that's being stabbed and then you see Kylo. And apparently the voice of that Jedi was uh, Dave Filoni. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because he had sort of that um, that hat. I can't think of what those type of hats are called, but uh, obviously Imbo also had that hat who was also voiced by Dave Filoni. So that's a neat little tie in there. Okay. And so then we have that. We have the girl who is obviously Ray crying, come back, who appears to be on Jakku. And then we have a ship that is flying off. And then you have uh, holding her hand, which is why I was kind of asking earlier, is uh, Unkar Plot holding her hand as she's crying and screaming, come back. And amongst all of that, we hear some voices. Now we have Yoda in there. We have Luke screaming um, on Bespin. And we have um, two Obi-Wans, actually. We have um, Alec Guinness saying, Ray, um, that is apparently they pulled it out of um, a line from A New Hope. Yeah, that seems a lot of effort, you know, like, why not just have Ewan McGregor or somebody, you know, just do it. I think they did, but then well, they replaced them. Well, they initially had. Um, yeah they initially had James Arnold Taylor do it and he got replaced by Ewan McGregor. So, Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. These are your first steps. Now that's the part that's really cool to me because if you think about it, Obi-Wan has given, given that lightsaber to every one of the, the Skywalkers in there, you know, he basically says, ah, this is, these are your uh, first steps, which is the same thing he says to Luke, which says, these are your first steps into a larger world. And then you think back to, um, Attack of the Clones, where he he gives the saber back to Anakin um, and tells him, like, this lightsaber is your life, blah, blah, blah. So essentially, that's almost like a a rite of passage for the Skywalkers type thing. Less of, you know, because some people are like, oh, I think she's Obi-Wan. She's not. Obi-Wan has just always been the one to give the Skywalker the lightsaber. And that's what that was. Got it. Makes sense. <laughs> she ends up running off. Um, obviously, she doesn't take the uh, the journey, which is pretty typical of the the hero's journey. Initially, they they're reluctant to take it. Um, same way Luke was, you know. Um, that's your uncle talking. But then you've got the whole running before the acceptance. She runs away from the saber. And then runs into uh, the First Order and Kylo. Luke, you know, he runs back to his... Uh, his aunt and uncle. And then that's when all the bad stuff happens. So for her, she starts shooting at the, the stormtroopers, and, uh, you find out she's not very, uh, gun savvy. She's having a problem. You know, she has to figure it out, get it turned on. She, her first shot is a wide miss, but then she hits that one stormtrooper on the second shot, at least. Um, and then the second one, I think, uh, starts shooting at her. And so she just bails at that point. And then Kylo ends up finding her out in the woods. She starts shooting him, which that was reminiscent to me where Luke goes into the cave and Vader kind of walks into the cave. Remember your, your failure at the cave, something like that. That's, that doesn't sound like normal talk, talk, (laughs) but, but point being, um, did that did that remind you of that or do you at least kind yes. of see now no, now that i say yep. that yeah that that uh from the beginning that i was like oh that's kind of like the uh the the uh cave scene he comes up and then at that point he freezes her um and then he sees that she's seen the map and so he realizes he doesn't need bb8 because she's told bb8 to run and um so they end up pulling out at that point. Past that, though, we got to talk about something else, though, because I, I want to move to the to the next scene. But we we got to talk about then what's going on on the other side with Finn and Chewie and Han. 
What is going on with them? So they're actually there in the fight. And you have Maz gives um, gives Finn that lightsaber and tells him, he's like, I need a weapon. He's like, you've got one. Or she tells him, you know, you have one. And then that's where you're like, oh, sweet. We're, we're about to see some saber fighting. I really like seeing, you know, besides that, Han, it was just kind of nice hearing that that blaster, that sound, because the, the blasters sound different in this film. Mm-hmm. But hearing Han's blaster going off was just really, it was nice. I mean, it was very uh, nostalgic, I guess. I'm hearing him shoot, you know, and he's taking out those stormtroopers. And then Finn has that one guy who yells traitor and he throws down his um, gun and shield. And now, if you want to talk about an actual problem with the film, okay, which it's it's not that big of a deal or whatever. And, and, and it's... It's less more character motivations, I guess, than an actual plot hole. But that dude had a gun and he could have shot Finn with, but instead he throws it down <laughs> to pull out his. Uh, oh, because he thought he was a badass. That's all. Well, I guess. Yeah. So he pulls out his little uh, stun baton and then he and Finn go into uh, a little duel. Honestly, to see a stormtrooper do something besides going around blasting people mm-hmm. was kind of showing me that these are uh, a new breed of stormtroopers. Okay, so here's the thing that, that I have to throw out there. The crowd control troopers, do you, do you realize what that harkens back to? Is that back to uh, Grievous and his... <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm talking more uh, real life. The original Macquarie concept had stormtroopers with a shield oh, and that's a lightsaber. Right. So yes. that is kind of, that's basically their way of putting that in the film you have yes. him with a, a shield and a electrical rod that makes that a little cooler and a lot of people in fact on a, i gotta give i gotta bust riley's chops about this because like i said that's one of the two strong reasons that they shouldn't but uh riley's like oh he's like yeah he's like that should have been phasma i'm like no because Phasma was not a Macquarie concept, and it was cool for them to instead put in a Macquarie concept. So that's why it shouldn't have been Phasma. Uh, the second reason it shouldn't have been Phasma is because you you got to do one of two things here. So how do you how do you stop Phasma then from killing Finn? Because you can't do the same thing that you did with the um, the other stormtrooper. Because then you're basically just going to kill Phasma outright, which I think would be kind of lame. Like I said earlier, that uh, Finn is sort of the Han of the film. I think that in that same way, she's going to be the Boba Fett to his Han. Uh-huh. You know, I think in the next one, she's going to become informed the same way that Boba Fett came for Han uh, because of the thing. You know, Han dropped uh, the spice. He's sort of um, deserted and then. Uh, you know, later fun, he humiliates her and stuff like that. So she's got reason to come after him. So I think that sort of puts him in that Han uh, setting for this trilogy. But the problem with putting her in there is that because people are like, well, you know, she's she has that special armor. So um, if she gets shot, it doesn't have like, no, that the whole point of that. And we'd seen it earlier was this crossbow is awesome. It's supposed to be really powerful. And they, they spend a lot of time saying this crossbow is powerful. If you had it not really be as effective against Phasma, when they shoot Kylo with it later, you're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, Phasma, obviously she she lived through it. And so it's not really going to hurt Kylo that much. You're supposed to go, oh, no, he just took that blast that's been killing everybody else and sending them flying. He just took it immediately. The same thing with him stopping the uh, that uh, blast from, from Poe. You know, he 
didn't stop that blast from Chewie. So all of that is is important setup to that scene. I mean, that is the pivotal scene of, of the, the film. I don't think it needs to be Phasma. We're saving Phasma for the next film. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to overplay her in the first film. You present too many problems by trying to put that in as Phasma. I just didn't know if you had anything else to expand upon that with. I want to talk about that uh, interrogation scene where now Ray's been taken and Kylo thinks that he's going to get the map to Luke Skywalker from her. And it's the first thing is he's he's acting really childish in that scene where um, she said, uh, what did you do with my friends or something like that? And he goes, you mean the murderers and traitors and liars um, again immature yeah it was just it was very just like oh like he just <laughs> it's just really immature yeah i mean you're absolutely right and then he's like you want to kill me she's like that happens when um you're being hunted by a creature in a mask so now this is where you know we've been kind of getting it beforehand but this is where that big change happens where we see that he basically goes from being vader or at least you know trying to pull off vader to being anakin where he's not all together there at this point uh, he's still sort of fledgling bad guy which is where i say that we get that other prequel nod so he talks to her and he says something very interesting to me where he says that drew, you know, he asked about the droid and he says, and it's carrying a map to Luke Skywalker. And somehow you got it to show it to you, you, a scavenger. That to me is very interesting and tells a lot about Kylo because he, you know, that once again shows his insecurity that he's like, well, you're just a scavenger. How, you know, how did you get him to do that? You know what I'm saying? I think to me that to me, the thing about Kylo is, I think that obviously because he never really learned, he never completed his training. I don't think he was necessarily a strong Jedi. Well, and there's all the, I hear a lot of people saying that they think Kylo knows who Ray is, that Ray may be his cousin or sister, whatever, whatever theory somebody has about mm -hmm. who Ray is. But the fact that he is like, you know, what are you? You're just a scavenger. Mm -hmm. Like who, who, you know, if he knows who she is, he's not, I don't, I think he would know that she's strong in the force and that mm -hmm. there's a connection by blood to that and wouldn't be playing off the fact that she's just a scavenger unless that's just his way of trying to demean her. I don't know. But I'm still questioning if he really does know who Ray is. Well, I'm not I'm not really sold on if he if he really knows who she is or not. Well, in the book, he says it is you. So it is you what? When she grabs the lightsaber in the book, he has the line. It is you. Oh, so I haven't got that far in the book yet. Yeah. Well, spoilers. Well, is it you meaning it's you kind of, uh, you know, it's you as meaning you're that one or Come it's on. you like uh, it's you again no. or or maybe he knows that maybe he knows that there's somebody out there, but he doesn't know Ray is the one until that moment. Lots of answers, but I think that um, you have to try really hard to make it anything other than, you know, that it's it's the person that he knows to be, which is I mean, come on. It's, I mean, I think by that scene, I thought that he does know that at least she's strong with a force and he might know who she is. But I'm just saying earlier on where we're getting to this scene that I don't think in the very beginning when he says, there, you know, when they tell him that there's a girl on Jakku and he's like, a girl? I don't know well, if he really knows the, it's her. But the moment the moment he says that, he, he kind of whips through. I think it comes back to his um, his identity crisis, essentially. You know, I think it's the same as that, where, um, you know, he's so conflicted. He's going back and forth. I think he's probably going back and forth on 
what he believes there. I think that there's part of him to where, and, and it was probably that, just that immediate reaction, you know, because we just saw him have his temper tantrum. And so I think it, it snapped him off, uh, took him off guard and, um, or took him by surprise. And he, um, he freaks out because he knows you know, because that, that I, I believe that he's the one who dropped her off there. It just, it makes too much sense with it. Um, with the fact that we know, um, it's apparently Snoke questions whether he can kill Han Solo and, um, you know, just sort of makes you wonder if he would have still had that sort of weakness to the light and, you know, he has that light side in him and, and he couldn't bring himself to kill Ray prior. And so he just dumped her off instead, uh, which would explain why she's with, uh, Uncar plot instead of uh, a nice Lars family. To me, that that stuff all adds up, but but that's not guaranteed in any way. So I think that it, it comes down to him just going back and forth between being sure about himself and being insecure and worried. I just thought it was badass that she stumped him, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, she sort of resists. Now, yeah, that's, that she's stronger than him. Right. So now that's something that a lot of people seem to be struggling with and I don't think it necessarily has to be explained. I think that uh, there's one of two, at least that I can think of, there's two things that could be going on there and either one suits and you can just say it's it's whichever one you sounds the best to you and, and just go with that. But you're supposed to gather that, okay, she's strong with a force, stronger than him. I take it as he sort of left the door open. His arrogance left the door open when he went in um to, to her mind, he didn't think to safeguard his own mind. Um, True. To, to block his, his, his defenses were not up. Mm-hmm. Hers were. And I think that she, in trying to resist and everything, um, because she did have that sort of uh, sensitivity, uh, there, there's been people who say, okay, well, I... I think I've heard somebody I thinks mentioned this before, but in either way, this is something that I, I kind of I like the, the thought of is that she learned the Jedi mind trick from him that from basically him trying to go into her head and then her resisting and then getting in his head, she sort of learns you know, she, she's able to grab information more than just what she says about, uh, you know, you're afraid you'll never be strong as basically that's not the only thing that she pulls out when she says, you're afraid you'll, you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. That's what we know she pulls out, but maybe she grabbed something more. Maybe she figured out the Jedi mind trick, which she then uses later, or perhaps she realizes that she has the ability to, to get into people's head. And so she decides to um, to then try it at that point because she was obviously desperate. And, you know, what does it what does it hurt? Right. Absolutely. And that's my thoughts. Exactly. However, I'm going to throw another theory out that I haven't thought about until now. OK, but possibly touching the lightsaber has also ignited <sighs> something in her too that tapped into something she may have known about or 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 learned about from the lightsaber. Bruce, are you saying the lightsaber caused an awakening? There's been an awakening. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 moment because I was attributing it to Kylo that she she was reading these things from Kylo, but if anything, it it may just be a, in addition to that that lightsaber has just yeah awakened all these things in her that maybe she was taught at a young age and forgot that had been That's suppressed. Well, I already have my uh, theory that Ray's mom, mm-hmm. Luke is his, is her dad, mm-hmm. and 
Mon Mothma is her mom. Ah, excellent. That's uh, <laughs> that's the only other woman in the galaxy. It's her uh, torn far. <laughs> Many Bothans died to bring you Ray. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well you know what let's cut off there last thing that we actually covered was the uh the interrogation scene so we'll pick up after that for the next episode there's just too much to talk about and we gotta we gotta get it out and eventually yes and i'm sorry i'm not more with it since i'm sick but you've done a really good job like hitting all the beats of this film it's oh and you know what next time we talk maybe i'll see it for a third time Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'm not just like uh, boringly just telling the film like, man, that, that film was a lot more interesting when I saw it instead of when you just talked through it. So, um, yeah, this it's, episode, it's better. It's better when you tell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a, a different episode, but we're going to get back to the, uh, the fandom elements that we like to cover soon. But I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's about Star Wars. Star Wars started with the movies, and we've got to take a moment to to cover that as thoroughly as possible when it's out. So, I uh, I make no apologies and no regrets for for loving the films and and wanting to talk about them. Oh yeah, I was going to ask you. Do you did you like this movie? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me see it a sixth time, and then I'll let you know. Okay. All right. I'll let you know too. That's why I've refused to see it anymore. I couldn't take it. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy. Let's kill this thing. Okay. We're going to kill this by saying thank you for joining us. And if you would like to continue to join us and hear more of our review of The Force Awakens, you can do that by subscribing to us on iTunes. You can look for Cloud City Casino on iTunes and click the subscribe button. And while you're there, give us a five-star written review. We'd really appreciate it. That's how people help to... F- uh, help them find us out there among all the many different Star Wars podcasts that are out there. Also, you can listen to us on TuneIn and Stitcher. We're available in those podcatchers also. And we're also on StarWarsReport.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Cloud City Casino. And we're also on Facebook. Just search Cloud City Casino. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Admiral underscore Rex. And Michael? I am at Morris Isley. And that does it for this episode. We had no guest, which we usually have a guest. This time it was just the two of us. Just the two of us. Well, if we had a guest, there's no way we could have even gotten through all of that. So (laughs) it would have been like a 16 episode. That's Uh, true. There's just too much in in this film. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I want to I want to leave everybody with is if you've only seen this film one time, you have not seen this film enough. I mean, it's, you got to see it uh, multiple times to really get the feel for this. Absolutely. And I guess that about wraps it up. So in the famous words of our favorite protocol droid, let the Wookiee win. 